we all have good days and bad days, don't we? You have, you have had that where some days you wake up and, oh, I feel so close to the Lord. And then there's other days I get up and think, I wish I had a cat to kick. Um, sorry, I mustn't go against the cats. Um, but don't you have, we do have bad days, don't we? We have days where things just go wrong. I had one a few weeks ago and um, I've been experimenting since. It's a strange experiment, but someone told me if you put music on, it can change how you feel and how you act. Is, is that true? They say if you put classical music on, you drive a little more, more sensibly. Wrong. I hate classical music. makes me furious, okay? So I've been trying other different types of music. So far, the best one for... Um, I have no street cred now, okay? The best music, it calms me down is Abba. <laughs> Not even sure if I like it, but I know all the words and I sing along. And uh, Well, I had one of these days, a few weeks ago, I got up, I was running late and uh, ran into the, into the bathroom. You know how you look in the mirror going, do I need to shave? You need to shave. So I shaved, I jumped in the shower, jumped out the shower, went to put deodorant on and picked up my shaving foam. <laughs> So I had to get back into the shower. You know, I'm running late. You know, get back in the shower, jump in the car, get to the end of the lane. And Minchin Hampton's wonderful because of what? Cows. Unless you're late. And I'm looking, and these cows are having a great time in the middle of the road. I'm going, please move. Please move. And in me, I'm thinking, I'm going to get out. I'm going to chase them away. But also in me, thinking, they're highland cattle. They will eat you. Stay in the car. So I'm like, oh. So I think, put some apper on. Stick Abber on. The cows eventually move. I'm still very late and I'm driving along. Does anyone here drive a Honda Jazz? <laughs> Honda Jazz is doing 23 miles an hour across, yeah, <laughs> across the common. Abba isn't working at this stage. Dancing Queen is like Killer Queen. I am furious. You know, we get to the meeting where I was supposed to be, and I, I run in, and I'm like irritated and annoyed. And the guy who meets me on the way, and he says, Steve, could you just pray before we start? I'm thinking, the last thing I feel like is praying, but it's the right thing for me to do. And so I pray. But we all have days, don't we, when we're on top of the mountain and deep down in the valley, when, when faith is good and when faith is rubbish. I want to show you a picture. Oh, I'll, I'll come back to the reading in a minute. This picture. Oh, that's not very good, is it? Hmm. It's better on my iPad, so if you can all just come up, we'll all have a look. <laughs> Get in there. It's a picture of, of, of Paul and Silas. They're in prison, and their feet is um, through a block of wood. And it says that it gets close to midnight, and in the dark, they start to sing songs of praise to God. And I look at that and think, that, that's true. That's what happened. In the dark, they start to praise God. When everything had gone wrong that day, I mean, how... how the, the, the day had gone was uh, they were 
out through town and there's this girl following them. And this girl who's following them can, can read fortunes and she's, she's saying, oh, these people, listen to them. They, 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 they follow the, the, the Son of God. And, and eventually Paul gets so irritated by this girl that he prays for her and she gets healed, restored. Whatever is in her is released, released her and she no longer tells fortunes. So this creature has been, been made whole. Well, you think people would rejoice, but the person who owned her was furious. He's like, now I've lost business because of these two people. So he had them dragged before the court, and it says they were beaten and then thrown in prison. So they've been beaten, and now they're in prison, and it's midnight in darkness, and these two start to praise God. That's the sort of faith I want to have. When the deodorant is replaced for a can of shaving foam, when there's cows on the road, when there's a Honda Jazz driver (laughs) doing 23 miles an hour and I'm late, I want to be able to praise God in every circumstance. I want to have faith that changes me, not because of my mood, but because I know that He is real and alive and that I belong to Him. Real faith at a real time, good or bad. So, we're going to read um, the next bit from the Bible. I'm going to have to go back now. Um, so, if you've got a Bible, if you've here in a guest, you sometimes find them shoved under seats, but a magic one appears in the sky. So, you can look at this one. Um, and this is from a little bit from um, a book called Philippians. This is Paul writing from prison, um, and he writes this. So this is Philippians 4, and I'm going to start at verse 10. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you, you renew your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance I know what it is to to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living with plenty or, or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So, the guy who writes this was a guy called Paul. Paul was um, was was. Famous. He was well known by everyone, it seemed, in the country at that point. But there's a little bit of, of history where, where tradition tells us, describes what Paul looks like. And thankfully, um, that won't be written down for me. Because when I die, hopefully I'll disappear into history. But Paul, bless him, this was written down for him. It says he was a bald headed, bow legged, short man with a big nose. Um, and an unbroken eyebrow that went across his forehead like a dead caterpillar. <laughs> Lovely, isn't it? So, well, we could write one for me. Steve was tall, dark, <laughs> handsome, beautiful accent. So, great sense in clothes. All right, maybe not. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it doesn't bode well, does it? He was bald-headed, bow-legged, short man with a big nose, an unbroken eyebrow that looked like a caterpillar. Fabulous. So, so there wasn't a lot for him to look like, but he did an awful lot to change the world. He didn't start well. So 
we get to that one, we've done that bit, we're at this bit. Please work. There we go. Some people do bad things. Some people steal because they're greedy or they um, lie because they're trying to wiggle out of something or they, um, or they you know I mean, kill because they're jealous or whatever. But Paul did something good or did something bad out of, out of a good motive. You see, Paul was fanatical about God. He grew up in a Pharisee home. He was trained as a, under the best teachers. He, he had everything going from him. He was sort of like, you know what I mean, the rising star of his community. Um, he hated Christians. He saw them as something against God. And he did his best to, to get rid of them in, 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 in a way. So when Stephen, the first Christian who was ever martyred, was martyred, it says there was a young man called Saul who became Paul who held their coats as they stoned Stephen. And that was just the star. It got worse. It says Paul did his utmost to destroy the church. He went from, from, from place to place trying to find Christians. If he found them, he'd have them thrown in prison. He'd have their, their, their belongings confiscated, maybe have their children sold into, sold into slavery, or, or he might even have them killed. He did his utmost to get rid of this, this Christianity thing that was spreading around his community. He did everything. He was fanatical. He hated Christians, and he wanted to get rid of them. Now imagine God is up in heaven and he's thinking, all right, I need someone to tell the the world, not the Jews, not the Jews, we'll have other people do the Jews. I need to tell the world who would be the best person to do that. And because God works in the way that he does do, he chooses someone who would be the opposite that you could imagine. He still does that, I always think. I always think, what, why did God choose me? I always think, well, you know what I mean? I wasn't anyone, still not anyone special. You know what I mean? You could have chosen anyone, but I think it, it proves that he's real when he takes something that would be so opposite to what you expect to do something. And so he looks around and thinks, ah, oh, Saul of Tarsus. You know what I mean? He hates, he hates people who aren't Jews. He would be a great one, and he hates Christians. Fantastic. So Paul... He's on his horse. He's got a certificate to go to Damascus and to wipe out the Christians in Damascus. And he's on his, on his horse or whatever he is with some men. And he's heading towards Damascus. And Jesus turns up. Massive bright light. And a voice comes from the line. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's like, well, who are you? And he says, oh, it's Jesus. And it says, I want you to go to Damascus. And I want you to go a certain street. And so Paul gets up and it says he's got something like scales over his eyes. He can't see a thing. His men lead him into, into Damascus. So he goes to stay in this, this house. And then God has to speak to someone else, a guy called Ananias. Ananias is, is praying one day and God turns up and says, Oh, Ananias, I want you to go and pray for someone. He's called Saul. And Ananias is like, I know who Saul is. Yeah, yeah. He's the one who's trying to kill us. Yeah, I want you to go and pray for him because he is going to suffer for my name's sake. He's going to suffer as he takes this good news and spreads it to all those who aren't Jews. And Ananias went, you sure you got that right? Did you see Saul? Saul, the one who's trying to kill us, go. 
So Ananias goes and he, and he prays. And as he prays, it says something like scales fall from Paul's eyes. And Paul can see again. And Saul is a changed man. He's met Jesus. And in such a way that he even changes his name from Saul to Paul. And now he's met him. He can't shut up about him. Now he's met him. This faith is real. He's met him face to face. So he goes from this fanatical, uh, uh, fanatical faith into sort of like a, an unshakable. Oh, come on. <laughs> right, someone put Abba on. <laughs> yes. Dancing queen. Um. Whatever hits Paul, whatever goes wrong, he trusts in God. When, when, when something bad happens to him, he doesn't blame God. He trusts in God. When darkness comes, he clings to God rather than screams at him. I'm, I'm a bit the opposite. You know what I mean? Things go wrong. I start shouting at him, going, you, you hate me. You hate you must. I burnt my toast and it fell the wrong way down on the floor. Now it's got fluff in it. You know what I mean? I'm late. There's cows. There's a jazz driver, 23 miles an hour. You don't like me. But actually, Paul Ling learns to cling to God in the darkest moments of his life. It's unshakable. There's nothing you could do to Paul that would affect his faith. There's no disaster that he cannot face that he doesn't cling to God. Comparing to, to the Old Testament Saul. So we've got the New Testament Saul, this one who became Paul. The Old Testament Saul was the first king. Soon as something goes wrong, turns his back on God. Soon as anything goes wrong, God's not working. Let's try a witch, see if he can work. You know what I mean? He just, just doesn't cling to the God. The secret of faith, the secret to life is, is to, this, this thing called faith is to hope, to hope, to trust to see whatever is going on, I am clinging to you. We got four kids. Our second oldest is called Nicola. When she was born, she, she was born, she had struggled. Um, she couldn't breathe this. The cord was around her neck. It did damage, um, and she's got cerebral palsy. It means she's got no control of her body. She can't communicate. Um, she lost her sight when she's three. And a few years ago, uh, she got really poorly. And, and I can just remember being in hospital thinking, we're going to lose her. And sat in this hospital ward with just the night lights on. There was three other people in the ward with, with Nicola. And, and as, as we sat there, I mean, we saw most, most people die in the other beds. It was that sort of ward. And I was sitting there going, God, where are you? Where are you right now? And you know what? He was there with us in the dark. Even though sometimes you don't feel it, the truth, the faith is that he's there with us, holding our hands. We've just got to learn to, to fall into him rather than fall away from him. When things get tough, we, we need to, to go closer to God, not further away. But everything inside us tells us to run. Faith is when you fall into God saying, whatever this world throws at me, I'm going to trust in you. 
He was unshakable. Paul, on another occasion, went to a place called Lystra. In Lystra, he was with a guy called Barnabas. Now, Barnabas and Saul went into Lystra. And as they were walking in, there's a guy who's never been able to walk. And Paul looks at him and thinks, oh, he's got enough faith that, that God will heal him. So he walked up and Paul said, oh, stand up and walk. And this guy, never been able to walk, jumps up and starts walking around. Could you imagine the crowds went ballistic? It's like, what is this? The gods have come down and are walking amongst us. They're healing our people. So they, they run to the temple, which is just outside the city. Um, there's a temple to, to Zeus, and they say, the gods have come down. They're walking amongst us. So they all come, with, I mean, all the sort of things that you do. We'll bring, we'll bring a cow and reef, and we'll sacrifice to our gods. And, and so, so Paul's wondering what's going on, because they all speak a different language. He's like, wait, wait, wait. And he eventually gets a, a grip and goes, oh, no, 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 no. And you see, because the crowd were going, Barnabas must be Zeus, and uh, Paul must be Hermes, because he's the one who's doing all the chatting. <laughs> and they, so they say, well, we must sacrifice, we must sacrifice. And Paul stands up and goes, no, 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 we're just people, we're just humans like you, you can't do this. It's, it's God and who made the heavens and the earth who's done this. Oh, but oh, they can't control the crowds. The crowds are so excited by this. They, they do the best, but you know what I mean? It's not working. They were just about to sacrifice. But then some other people came in, some, some people who knew Paul and started to stir up the crowds. Yeah, they'd be doing this everywhere, causing trouble. And it says the crowd got so annoyed that they took, took Paul, they dragged him out of the city, and they threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. So, if you're having a bad day, that's an awful day, isn't it? But Paul isn't dead. He just looks like he's dead. Maybe he's half dead, whatever, but he, it says he gets up. Now, if that was me, I'd get up and think, oh, that hurts. Let's go somewhere and recover. What does Paul do? He says he gets up and goes back into the city. Can you imagine? They're hard enough that people are getting healed. Now we've got people rising from the dead. You imagine what they're thinking. What is going on? We can't kill these people. His faith is unshakable. Whatever you throw at him, rocks, get him, beat him with sticks or whatever, whatever happens to him, he trusts in God. It's unshakable, his faith. How weak and flimsy can we be? when you're having that bad day. Oh, please, no. It's unbreakable, his faith. It's unbreakable. There was a, a farmer who, who came over, and he came over to, uh, to, to find his, where his family came. He's from America, from Texas, of all places. Massive farm. He comes over, and he discovers he's got a relative in the Scottish border. So he comes over, and he finds this relative. And they're, they're out walking, and this, this, his relative's a farmer as well, Scottish farmer. And he's, they're walking around, and he goes to his, he goes to his family. He goes, so, how, 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 how? How many herd of cows do you have? And the farmer looks at him and goes, we've got 20. 20, he says, I have 2,000 head of cow. 
he says, I have, I have horses, hundreds and hundreds of horses. And he says, I mean, you can just see for miles everything. Everything in the fields is just full of life. And the guy went, well, I've got 200. He goes, what about barns? How many barns do you have? He goes, two. One for hay, another one we keep stuffing. And he goes, two. He says, how big are these? He says, normal size barn. He thinks, he says, we've got, he says, we've got, 50 barns, as high as, high as the sky sometimes, as wide as you can imagine. We can't even fill them. They're so big. The farmer rolls his eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, how much land do you have? How much land? He says, oh, oh we've got about four. He says, mm, about 60 acres. 60 acres, that's teeny weeny. He says, you can, you can look and you could drive your car in any direction for about three or four days and you'd still be on my land. And this farmer looked at him and he says, oh yeah, I used to have a, a, a Land Rover like that. <laughs> Paul was quite good at boasting. And one day uh, he, he writes this. This is Paul talking about what he went through. Oh, I thought I'd bring it down. Sorry, I thought I'd put a marker in the Bible, but I haven't. This is Paul. This is what he says. This is his boast. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, and been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the... Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open sea. I've been consistently on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city and in danger in the country, danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. That's Paul. That's everything that he's gone through. What a man. What a faith that he has. His faith, it's unbreakable. Oh, it's done this again. Dance. I'm fed up with this thing. Come on. There we go. It's unbreakable. You you could do whatever you want to him. You're not going to affect him. It's unbreakable. He knows God is real. And no matter what you throw at him, it's not going to change his opinion. In fact, he's so confident, he says, I'd rather be in heaven than be here. I'd rather be with my Lord and be here, but it's better for you that I am here, so I'm going to hang around. He's writing this letter from, from Rome. It says that he has this period where he's got a little bit of freedom. He's under house arrest, rather, in, in, in the, the big prison at this moment, but in a little while he's going to go into prison in, in a much darker, more secure cell. And then one day he's going to be led from there. He's taken to... to um, a few miles outside the city where he will be beheaded. 
he is so sure that his faith is real that he's prepared to go through all this. So what do we learn from this? I want a faith that's attractive. I want a faith that's unshakable and unbreakable. I don't want it to be fanatical, but I do want it to to be different within me. I want it to be that when I'm struggling, I still have that to cling to. I want that hope when darkness comes. Don't you? I was reading the other week in um, Psalm 90, where it's basically talking, talks about our life is short, our days are numbered. I, I used to, when I used to visit like my grandparents, they always used to say, Stephen, enjoy it while you're young, because you don't stay young long. And it's true. Life is whizzing by. I was only 19 about three days ago, honestly. It's, it feels like life is going quick. Our days are numbered. Our opportunities get shorter and shorter. I, I just want to live a life full of faith, like Paul. I want to live life to the full. I want to, to, I want to enjoy. I want to have this life in all its fullness. I want an adventure with him, wherever he takes me. Faith hears the inaudible, sees the invisible, believes in the incredible, and receives the impossible. Paul discovered that he who kneels before God can stand before anyone. He had the opportunity to stand before kings and emperors. Faith. How big is your faith? Jesus said you only need a teeny weeny amount of faith, small as a mustard seed, and you can move mountains. How much faith do you have? Let's pray. So, Father, teach us to trust in you. Teach us to to fall into you when darkness comes, when life gets tough. May we just put all our hope in you. May our faith grow and grow. May our trust in you grow. May we learn that you are dependable, that you're unshakable, that you're there for us like a rock. In the storms of life, may we cling to you. So Father, I pray for us this morning. I pray for for those who who know you well. I pray that our faith will grow. I pray for those who who, who don't know you or just learning to know you. I I really pray that you you just speak and make yourself, uh, reveal yourself to, to us. May we know that you're just real and here. So bless us this morning. Bless us um, uh, in our faith. Make us strong, Father. In your name. Amen.